Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to episode three of Take My Portrait Podcast, uh, hosted by myself, Colby, and Tyler. And uh, it's a podcast about creativity, arts, and our experiences with both. Um, and tonight we get the pleasure of sitting down with Mr. Benj Heish. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Uh, Benj is a wedding and elopement photographer based out of Tacoma, Washington, which is also where we reside. Uh, in addition to that, Benj is also an avid film shooter and a proponent of such and a YouTuber and speaks nationally and internationally at various conferences and workshops. Uh, Benj, it's great to have you on. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. Heck yeah. Thanks for coming to my backyard for this <laughs> podcast. Literally, <laughs> literally in the backyard. We're literally in my backyard. So on our way over here, Tyler was stressing how he's not sure how big this room was going to be. <laughs> he's like, I don't know if we're going to be like super crammed or, but uh, it's pretty comfortable. I mean, we're sitting at my desk, but yeah, could <laughs> all be crowded better, around the end of a desk. Yeah. Also, uh, let it be noted. We each have a glass of whiskey, so just wanted to be known. <laughs> Um, well, Benj, we wanted to dive in a little bit. Um, obviously the podcast about creativity and like how each of us experienced that. Um, and all three of us come from some sort of a photography background. In your case, it's literally your job. And for me and Tyler, um, we may have tried to make it our job at some point or we just enjoy it. Um, but we wanted to really dive into the nitty gritty of where you're at with what you're doing. Maybe you can go into that a little bit um, and, uh, you know, sort of going into how you started with all that and basically just where your journey began. Yeah, sure. So um, I have been, yeah, photographing weddings specifically since 2007. So it makes me feel real old. This is going into year 13. Uh, I photographed my first wedding in May of yeah, 07. So pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I know. And it's pretty much been my main source of income, all that stuff for the last 10 or 11 years. So um, yeah, started when I was kind of early on in college and stuff like that. And then it just kind of snowballed from being like a little side fun thing to, oh my gosh, this is making me way more money than I thought I was going to make at a regular job. And I'm still doing, I'm still in college. And why should I get another job when this is kind of working for me? So, and yeah, I've been, yeah, doing it ever since and have been able to travel the world and do a bunch of really cool stuff that um, definitely never thought was possible, but really, I don't know, grateful and thankful to have people that will pay me to take their photo. Yeah, I'm sure that's really rewarding, frankly. Uh, being able to like be part of that journey in someone's life, especially since you've been doing that over the last 10 years, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can, you know, vaguely remember moments from each of those things and just really kind of reap the rewards of that essentially, not just in terms of finances, but you know. Oh, no, 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 totally. I think like, I mean, I think it feels like a lot of people who get in, especially to weddings, like and when I started weddings, it was like such a joke. If you were going to be a wedding photographer, it was like, are you kidding me? Like, get a real job, yeah. sissy, or whatever. Um, but yeah, now that, especially I've been doing it for a lot longer than I feel like most people kind of make it as a wedding photographer. Most mm-hmm. people do it for a few years, and then they either like want to do something else or whatever. But I feel like um, I, I get to speak and teach at a lot of photography workshops and stuff like that. 
And one of the things I do is I show a slideshow that I made in 2012. So now that's going to be eight years old this year. Um, and it's fun to see the photos in that slideshow <laughs> and then see where those same people are now because I'm still following along right. with a lot of their mm. journeys and stuff like that. And a lot of them, you know, have like multiple kids and yeah. like they've moved. And um, it's just really fun for me to kind of see that and then remember, you know, where they were in those places. And um, and also like I'm, I'm kind of like a sad or whatever note to knowing that I have seen a lot of those photos where people have passed away or mm. like family members have passed away. Um, and I've gotten a lot of emails from people and messages and stuff like that about how meaningful those photographs were and still are to them. And they were so thankful that they had these photos that, um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to, it's not going to be like the main part of my portfolio, but, um, you know, just like simple photos of people is just so incredibly impactful, especially after those people are gone. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, it's a huge honor for me to get sort of invited into a day like that. Um, it's, you know, something that, uh, I heard it once said that it's just kind of like an invite that you would never normally have. So I get to hmm. shoot weddings in, hmm. you know, other countries and other cultures and other contexts yep. that I would have never gotten an invite to otherwise. Hmm. Um, and so for me, it's, yeah, super big honor. Um, and it's also really interesting for me to be able to kind of experience all that stuff for sure. Yeah. That makes complete sense. I know speaking personally, I think it was maybe 2009, 2010, probably around like 2010. I was living in Sumner <laughs> and I was, uh, uh, dating someone at the time and I went to church with her and, uh, that was the first time you definitely don't remember this, but that was the first time <laughs> I had met you and I was really young. So yeah. you definitely wouldn't remember this. Um, but I remember like who you were and I just mm. like knew the name from other people too. I, uh, my good friend, John Sweet, um, he had talked about you. Yeah. He Shout talked about John you Sweet. a few times. Shout out John Jonathan Sweet. Taylor Sweet right there. <laughs> but, uh, and you know, that was when me and him were both really young too, like yeah. around the same age. And then slowly just seeing like, oh, he's a photographer. I didn't know he was a photographer. Oh, he's shooting weddings. And oh, I guess that's his job now. And that, mm, like, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> and just seeing that progression um, was really inspiring, I guess would maybe be the word. I'm not sure. Um, for someone who was young and getting into photography, I was sure. like, oh, like, you know, you can you can be from Sumner or li yeah. live in Sumner <laughs> at least and, you know, make something of this craft that we get the pleasure of doing yeah totally yeah i remember uh the idea that um you could do something other than for a living at least something other than just be i don't not to like knock all this stuff but like a garbage man or an electrician or a plumber yeah. or something like that um and i remember when i was graduating high school uh my like basketball coach growing up came up to me and he was asking me what I wanted to do with my life. And I told him I wanted to play music because I was really into music at the time. Mm -hmm. And he told me, uh, he's like, well, let me just tell you what I tell my kids. He's like, don't ever do somebody else's, like don't ever try to do someone else's hobby as your job because there's always going to be people that are better than you. And I was like, oh, that's a challenge. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to do this. And so I remember I was doing music and I was like, well, I'm going to work harder than other people so that mm -hmm. I'm not the best at music for sure. Still am not. Um, but I remember, you know, I decided to do photography after that. And I still to this day, like have that in my mind of like, no, you can do someone else's hobby for your job if you're 
into it and like really want to make it happen and all that stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, day, daily, I'm just so stoked that I get to, you know, like my tax write-offs are cameras and yeah. film <laughs> and processing and uh, all that kind of stuff that like I have sort of excuses to uh, spend money on, right? Well, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, I don't get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome too to see. Um, obviously, you just you really put in the work, right? It takes a lot of work mm-hmm. to get to get to where you are. Um, but how, like, in through the so the last thirteen years, you've been doing this, and but how has your creative process changed or grown, or mm-hmm. or how have you how have you know you know how has the thirteen years experience how has you know walk us kind of through that a little bit about like what has changed over the years and things you've learned and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if this is, it's like this for everyone, but, um, well, it's probably not like this for everyone, but the way that I kind of work when I am like learning a new craft or something like that is I usually can pick up a lot of things pretty quickly. Like I can pick up a new instrument really quickly, or I could pick up a new camera system or, um, I did video for a while. Like there's just a lot of stuff that like kind of comes naturally to me at the very get go. Um, and so photography was one of those things where like I at least kind of like got into it quickly. Um, and then for the next few years, spent a ton of time like learning what aperture was and learning what a shutter speed was and what those things did and how those affected my images and learned how to edit and all that kind of stuff. But kind of as I went, that sort of like drastic increase in overall, you know, creativity and uh, how fast you learn things definitely declined and uh, or ne- not necessarily declined, but sort of plateaued, you know, where it went from like, this is all really fun and really exciting and I can learn all this stuff really fast and I'm growing, growing, growing to like that thing slowly starts to like get a little bit slower and a little bit slower and a little bit slower. And it's harder and harder and harder to push yourself to the next thing. Mm, yes. Um, and so, yeah, there's just definitely been times where like I feel like I can catch on to something and then just like really advance and then a lot of times where it's just like a just an absolute slog of just like I feel like I you know right now I feel like I my work has been the same for five years but it hasn't right because it's like I'm continually learning and I'm continually doing things um to make that happen but there's times where it like really accelerates whether you're learning how to do off-camera lighting or you're learning how to shoot with prime lenses instead of zoom lenses or whatever that thing might be um, but for me too, one of the things that I'm really, um, I'm always trying to like, just continue my craft. Right. So one of the things I do, I was showing you guys earlier, uh, cause we're in my office right now. Uh, and I have like seven point and shoot cameras right behind me and I'm just carrying a point and shoot camera with me almost everywhere, which for me as a, someone who has had, uh, a fully, automatic but also manual camera with me at all times where I can control every little bit of it. I walk around with this camera that I have zero control over and um, all I can focus on is like the composition and trying to do things. So um, at least for where I'm at right now, that's like the biggest thing. But the other thing is I'm often finding that creativity and because of that, I guess creativity for me is always sparked by limitations. And so um, so my limitation that I'm giving myself right now on a daily basis is often shooting with a point and shoot camera. Um, but in the past, um, especially when I was starting, I was, you know, I bought like a 24 to 70 and I bought a 70 to 200. And then I realized that, you know, there is the 24 to 70 has a 24 millimeter and a 25 millimeter and a 26 millimeter and everything from 24 to 200 
was what I had in my arsenal. Mm -hmm. And it was really difficult for me to get anything out of that that I felt like was creative because I had like almost too many options. Um, and so especially early on, I sold all those and just went with a 35 and an 85. And I used just that setup for, I don't know, eight years or something like that. Wow. And I think doing something like that allowed me forced me to have limitations, but then also allowed me to have a lot more creativity because I was so limited by my gear that I had to find creative ways to make those things work really well. Um, and so it helped me a ton with composition and, and framing and um, all that kind of stuff. And now I own, you know, like a zillion lenses from 20 to sure. <laughs> 90 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I've always sort of, one of the biggest things for me is once I kind of like land on a spot where I feel like I've plateaued in a way and I, it's hard, I can't push through to the next level of what I'm trying to do. I always try to give myself a limitation. So a few years ago I was shooting with the Canon 5D Mark threes. Um, and I started shooting with these Leica cameras that mm. had no autofocus and the buffer yeah. was really slow and all this kind mm. of stuff. And it forced me to be way more intentional with my basically everything yeah. because I was couldn't use autofocus and I couldn't wow. use all these things. And so, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm, that where was I'm rolling. <laughs> yeah. That was actually something that we were curious about was the switch from Canon to Leica and on surface level, it's like, Oh, it's Leica. It's, yeah. it's an easy, like, you know, why wouldn't you buy the Leica? But when you actually look at it, it's like, no, there's a lot of reasons you wouldn't buy a Leica for as a wedding photographer. Yeah. But when you, like you were just saying, when you nail it down, now you have this great system that you're accustomed to mm -hmm. and it has forced you to, you know, look at some specific changes in your workflow. So what were, what were some of the initial things that when you first got that system, were you like on the fence about returning those items or trying mm -hmm. to get your stuff back? Like what was that process? No, I'm a, I'm a very, uh, long, deep thinker in that kind mm. of stuff. So I never just jump into something like half-heartedly or whatever. It's like, mm. no, if I'm going to do something, I've already like thought about it for at least a year, <laughs> you know? Um, so I'd always like, I remember growing up just seeing Leicas and thinking they were really cool looking and I uh, love the smaller form factor. And especially when I started shooting Leicas, they, um, like the Leica M9 was the, the first, I think it was the first full frame mirrorless camera that existed. Um, and so having that smaller form factor when no one else really had that smaller form factor and stuff like that was something I was really into. Uh, I was also shooting, you know, these like outdoor elopements and was mm -hmm. sick of carrying all this gear and, and all that kind of stuff. But I realized that again, yeah, it was a creative limitation, but it also made me be just incredibly deliberate about every photo I took because mm -hmm. I had to you know, like I, I wasn't seeing through the lens. I was focusing with this little rangefinder patch. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just a lot of stuff that made me, um, I feel like as a wedding photographer, I've been you know, doing it for like over 10 years. And if you're shooting a lot of weddings, you're shooting like hundreds of thousands of photos a year mm -hmm. and you can sort of put your brain on autopilot. And mm -hmm. especially, you know, not that weddings aren't important and everything because they obviously are. But once you've done a few at like maybe you're doing the same venue two weekends in a row or whatever, mm -hmm. everything can kind of just fall into place and you can kind of just do it without thinking. Um, and so I was just getting too accustomed to good autofocus and good exposures and yeah. good, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so adding that limitation of like, no, every single photo, I have to be the one to choose the shutter speed, the aperture, the ISO 
and exactly where I'm focusing because mm. I'm physically moving the lens yeah. made me every single time I took a photo, think about that process before I took it. Um, and it made me just stay way more alert. And, um, and because of the way that rangefinder works, um, you have to line up the little image in the middle to know that's in focus. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a photo. I wouldn't click the button unless those two things were lined up. And so it actually on the back end, it made me take 50% less photos than I was taking on a DSLR, which, oh, yeah. um, which as someone who editing. has to edit hundreds <laughs> of thousands of images yeah, a year, <laughs> makes it way easier to go through them at the end. And, um, less yeah, culling. yeah, way less calling because I'm taking literally half the images that I was taking before. Um, which was kind of an added bonus. Yeah. To had you, kind of had you, um, tried out or have you like borrowed a friend's Leica or do you rent one beforehand or did you do? Yeah. So I'd always wanted one. Um, and I, I'm sure my wife just got sick of me talking about it. And so <laughs> she, uh, she bought me a used Leica M9, um, in, I don't remember what year it was. doesn't matter, but um, in June of that year. And so I just started kind of bringing it along to weddings and, and stuff like that. Um, and then it didn't become like a mainstay as my main camera for like a year and a half, I think. Was it kind of in the back of your mind when you were, would bring it with you? Like, Hmm. Like, I wonder May, if I could yeah, use this. Exactly. Yeah. I remember I, um, I was shooting all like Canon DSLR stuff and I, I shot that for almost, you know, eight, eight or nine years or whatever. Um, but I was starting to do a lot more of these, you know, adventure elopement things where it's just like me and four people mm -hmm. out in the woods somewhere. So there's not as much pressure. There's not as much fast moving stuff. Um, and I was practicing shooting on the, the rangefinder all the time, but, um, yeah, there was a few that summer that I just kind of brought that and I had a Fuji X pro one. Um, so there was a few that I shot the M nine and the X pro one together and was like, okay, like these both have major limitations, but I can yeah. see this as a, like a viable option in the future kind of thing. Um, and so there was probably like six, six or eight months where I was shooting like a little bit of both. Um, like I remember there was a wedding in September that year. So I got it in June and in September uh, I was shooting just the Leica for cocktail hour. And then I had to grab the couple and like go take photos of them during cocktail hour. It was like their main portrait time. And I didn't have time to grab my DSLR ses like setup. Oh, and it was like a panic at yeah. first of like, oh my gosh, I have to shoot this setup now. Like, yeah. But, um, you know, I was like ready for it and had the right lenses and, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. it was great. And it was one of those like, okay, now that I've done this, I know that this works and, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. I think I know the answer to this, but, and I promise this has relevance. Are you a Beatles fan? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so sure. the, Beatles, the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Right. The Beatles famously stopped touring because of a lot of reasons, but yeah. one of the main ones was because they were becoming terrible musicians because mm. they were going to all these venues and they couldn't even hear themselves play. They were just playing mm. and Ringo was watching Paul's <laughs> butt to make sure yeah. that he was in, you know, on tempo. And that was pretty much mm. it. Interesting. Do you feel like there was an aspect of that when it came to switching to a, like a base system where you're like you were saying, you got so used to the autofocus and so used to the system and how easy it was to take mm -hmm. the picture essentially that maybe it might've distracted from the actual photographic element of it. Do you feel that the Leica system was, you know, your Beatles break from the tour? <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean, the way that that kind of worked is it sort of just stripped it down to, okay, like here is like everything about photography and you have to pay attention to all those things at the same time. 
Um, and yeah, for sure. I would, I would be at weddings and, um, those cameras are just really, really smart. And so I could get onto autopilot mode, yeah. um, which made me not think about the moments that were happening too. If I go onto autopilot mode in photography, then sometimes it goes into autopilot mode in everything. And I'm just like yeah. going through the motions. Um, now I find that that system is secondhand and second nature to me, like the back of my hand or whatever. And so I can get in autopilot mode where that, I feel like that box that's in front of my face, you know, isn't, is just another tool like a hammer is to a yeah. carpenter or whatever. Um, and so now I can kind of move past that and I'm not worried about it. I'm still have to think and be intentional and all that stuff, but I'm not worried nearly as much about the process of photography and I'm more worried about the outcome of what's happening in front of me. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I still have to think a lot critically about composition and, and all that sure. kind of stuff, but a lot of that stuff, the more you do it, the more it just kind of like happens. Yeah. And um, yeah, but there's definitely a lot of similarities with music and stuff like that. I, I definitely started in music and have, have come here. But um, yeah, there's that's really interesting, though. I've never really thought about the repetition, especially for the Beatles, of playing all those songs over and over and over again yeah. um, and trying to make them, I guess, feel new and stuff like that, even though you're playing the same song for 20 years or you whatever. You can't hear it. Yeah. It's also probably similar um, with the process of, you know, paying attention to the composition and everything that you're talking about with the like is probably similar to film, mm -hmm. right? You yeah. Have to be more intentional with, with the film when you're taking film. Did you ever do weddings like on film when you first started? Cause <laughs> I, I mean, started, back, back in 2007, yeah. that was just the beginning days of digital. So mm -hmm. yeah, my first, my, I didn't shoot. Uh, I started on digital, honestly, like people can knock digital all they want or whatever, but I don't think I would, be we wouldn't be in this backyard talking to me about photography if yeah. I had to start on film exactly like, because mm -hmm. digital for so many people obviously has just opened up the realm of possibility to do photography for people so I'm a huge advocate of people shooting film like a massive proponent of of all that stuff but uh, I will say that you know if it wasn't for digital I, I probably wouldn't have gotten into it because the bar at that time at least for entry before that, you know, in film was probably too high for me to take it seriously. Totally. Yeah. Um, Especially back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> film oh, totally. Were still really expensive. Yeah. So <laughs> I started. I started in yeah 2007, and so it was right when kind of film has was kind of tanking, and then uh, digital was kind of on its big uptick. But yeah, I, I shot my first wedding on the Canon Rebel XTI and Ooh. a Canon 20D. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But hey, for anybody that's ever considering shooting a wedding, please bring two cameras because yeah, that was absolutely. the only piece of advice that I ever got from somebody before I shot my first wedding. And right as people were starting to come down the aisle, my like rebel, I think it was the rebel crapped out oh, and I had to use the other camera, which I was a dummy and had like a 75 to 300 or whatever on it. Like, yeah. but it was better than nothing. Right. Yeah. I have a buddy who uh, he lives in Vancouver. His name is John Yu, and he's a wedding photographer as well. And he has a really similar story. <laughs> I've shot a few weddings, but I've done a lot of uh, like studio work and portrait work mm -hmm. um, with people. And I've never had my Canon crap out, not one time. But he had a similar story where he was like, yeah, I was shooting a wedding with my 5D3, or it might have been a Mark IV, I don't know. Mm. And it totally crapped out. It just like froze and wouldn't turn on anymore. <laughs> and that was when I decided to switch to Leica. I was like, I have what? never <laughs> experienced that in my life. Wow. I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. No, I've had 
my Leica's, I think I've crapped out more than my Canon's. So that's what he said too. He said, but my Leica's crapped out more than my Canon, but I like it. So I keep it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all like, that's the thing is you have to, with anything you're doing, if you're doing paid work, you have to assume that your stuff's going to fail. And so if you show up, even if I'm shooting, like, I don't know, the most simple thing, I'm still bringing some sort of backup. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, I see posts from people like every week about yeah. like, oh, I showed up to this wedding and I only had one camera and then it died and then I had to borrow one from a guest or had to run to a camera store real quick or yeah, um, even with family shoots or whatever you're doing. I mean, if you're going out and shooting street for fun, then obviously it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'm pretty but. sure you probably have three cameras at all times. Huh? Oh, I have three cameras on my physical body at all times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. he's literally wearing three cameras right now. <laughs> he's not. He's not. <laughs> I could be though. Yeah, under the jacket. Yeah. So I had a question that's um, kind of a different topic. Well, um, just thought of as you were talking. Who gave you your first camera, or what? You know, who, like what? Like started it, like the, the photography thing. Like, did someone give you a camera, or? Did you buy one? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the photography journey for me uh, goes back, I mean, kind of far. I remember walking by the high school like photography room when I was in high school. I didn't do photography in high school. But I remember looking at all like the final projects for that quarter or whatever semester, and looking on the wall and being like, I could do better than that. Those aren't very good. Yes. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> uh, but I just remember thinking like, oh, yeah, I don't do this. But I, I feel like I could I could do better than that, right? Um, and then I, did, I just didn't take photos or anything like that. But I did like a this six-month like mission thing out of high school um, because I had no idea what I didn't want to do with my life. And there was this organization called YWAM that um, kind of just – sends young kids all over the world to go talk about Jesus to people and stuff. And so I was like, yeah, that sounds good. I w- I've always wanted to travel and I, l- yeah. I like Jesus. Like, let's do this. Cool. So I did that. I went to India for three months and, um, you know, got like a janky Fuji point and shoot five megapixel camera for <laughs> Christmas that year, right beforehand to, before I went and, uh, took a bunch of photos and kind of fell in love with the idea that I'm having all these experiences, but mm-hmm. then I now have a visual identity to like, I guess marry those two things to mm-hmm. like my memory of that event mm-hmm. now has a physical or not a physical, but like a visual representation mm-hmm. of that moment for me to like yeah. remember. Um, because now I can look back at those photos and see that, that stuff and remember that thing um, that happened or whatever. And so I did that. And then I came back from that thing and, and didn't really do a lot of photography stuff at all. Like that was in 2005. Um, and then the next time I was going to, I took a trip to Europe with my brother and my best friend and was just like, okay, well, I should probably get like a better camera this time mm-hmm. because I was definitely limited. Yeah. I had a, I don't remember how many, like a two gig card or something like that, that I was there <laughs> for three months with. And it was like deleting photos the whole time oh, uh, in, in India. And that was a bummer. But so I, I, you know, bought a rebel from Costco for, or my parents probably bought it for me for Christmas, uh, which shout out to my parents. Cause they were super supportive of all that stuff for yeah. sure. Um, and I took those photos and we'll just like post them on my Facebook in the early days of Facebook. And someone's, someone saw those and their, her sister's wedding photographer bailed on them like a few days before the wedding. And they're like, so she contacted me and said, Hey, I saw your photos from your brother and your friend in, in Europe and they look good. <laughs> Can you come shoot my sister's wedding? I was like, no, it's <laughs> a terrible <laughs> idea. You do not want me to do that. Um, and I basically just tried to argue my way out of 
doing that wedding and they just told me like anything's better than nothing also we'll pay you five hundred dollars and i was like yeah sold yeah <laughs> okay easy? okay so consider um yeah and then someone else you know saw those photos and then someone else saw those photos and someone else saw those photos after that and people kept offering me more money and it just yeah. kind of snowballed from there into me getting married a couple years later and realizing oh these photos that i'm taking actually have some significance mm-hmm. you know and then as i kind of continued that like you know i i got married and then realized how significant that kind of stuff was and then I remember the wedding after my grandma died, I saw and grandma's at this other wedding. I was like, oh my gosh, that's really significant. And then I had a kid and then I would see that from the parents' perspective mm-hmm. and every little bit about my life and what I'm going through helps me kind of empathize with the people that are there um, because ultimately, you know, we can talk about art and, and all that kind of stuff, but as a wedding photographer, like you're really doing a service for people, right? Yeah. It's like at the end of the day, yes, I want to make amazing artistic things for people uh but ultimately like it's a service to the people there Mm -hmm. and so the more i can think about those people and what's important in their lives and what it means to be a human as weird as and kind of deep as that is and what's beautiful about that and the more i can kind of capture that in my work uh the more i can kind of continue to find value and meaning and worth and stuff like that in my work that makes a lot of sense i feel like um a lot of people have had like a similar start to their journey yeah. where it's, it comes as this like unexpected thing, whether it's a gift or you just like go on a trip, you take a few photos and you're like, Oh, that was, that was yeah. nice. I can look through these. Um, it's interesting too, because I think for you, you kind of started in that pre Instagram era mm-hmm. Oh, totally. and, and maybe yep. like right in that Instagram era and kind of grew up with that, even though you were, like your business was establishing itself on its own, but now like Instagram is even more of a thing as well. Yeah. How do you feel social media has made an impact both positive, Mm. maybe negative? I don't know. Um, in terms of like helping you grow or do you feel like that growth has gone naturally and Instagram has been along for the ride or any social media? Yeah. Um, I think it's, I mean, it's definitely, I wouldn't say that Instagram hasn't helped me. (laughs) That would be like absurd. Um, but yeah, I remember when, uh, Instagram was first starting and a friend of mine, uh, came up to me and was like, dude, why are you not on Instagram? And Mm -hmm. I was like, Instagram, it's terrible. The filters are horrible. (laughs) Like everything about it is like terrible. I'm a real photographer. Why would I want to be on Instagram? He's like, it's a social media for what you do for a living dummy. Like you should get on this thing. And I was like, but the photos look bad. He's like, but yours can look a little bit better than the other bad ones that are on there because you (laughs) actually know what you're doing. Um, And so so I did, yeah, I joined Instagram sort of a little bit earlier, um, which was definitely helpful. And, you know, especially early on, anytime you can kind of be on the forefront of anything, uh, I feel like I was one of the first wedding photographers to sort of take Instagram a little bit more seriously, which obviously helped me in the long run. Um, but then I just ended up, um, being, yeah, a big part of that community. And, um, there was one year where I photographed, uh, you know, a bunch of people early on that I think they had like 1.4 million followers between, you know, four or five different weddings. The people in them combined had that many followers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, them posting their own wedding photos and tagging me obviously Mm -hmm. helped. And, um, in, I think it was 2014 or something like that. I was like a suggested user from Instagram. And so I gained... Yeah, I gained, uh, I don't know what it was, like 90,000 followers in two weeks or something like that. 
Um, yeah, which was crazy. But yeah, I think I think the thing though is with any with social media or just anything, if you as a business, and if you're, I mean, if you want to do this as a business with whatever you're doing, if you throw all of your eggs in one basket and you're relying 100% on one thing, you know, if that trend dies or something changes or whatever, you might it might just be over for you. So, um, you know, I have like a a mortgage and a kid and a wife and all this stuff. So I'm always trying to think of like, Hey, what's going to be sustainable for me. And, um, yeah, if I was only doing Instagram, you know, then that thing craps out and the algorithms hate me or something like that, then, um, you know, it's going to be bad news, but yeah, I mean, Instagram has been huge in connecting me to the right kind of people and, um, obviously getting me more work um, and getting my name out there and, and all that kind of stuff for sure. Do you find that it's helped? I'm trying to think of the right phrasing here, but have you been able to discover and create relationships with other photographers? I mean, obviously yes, but um, in terms of learning new things, like has that been a, a gateway to open new things to you in terms of like knowledge base? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing, honestly, um, even for like my whatever success I might have or whatever, um, has always been tied to like just the community of other people. Um, and so early on, I was part of a Flickr group. Mm. Flickr, Flickr. If you guys have done photography <laughs> for a while, Flickr. Um, but yeah, I was part of a Flickr group called Starting a Wedding Photography Business, <laughs> and there literally it was just like for a bunch of people like myself that didn't know what they were doing and tried to had to figure that out. Um, and we just as a collective were in that group together, and the combined shared like experience and growth within that group was just like insane. And so because all of us were throwing ideas off of each other and everything like that, that the people and the people in that group, especially um, are like usually the people that I'm like speaking at conferences with. And they're the ones that, you know, like one of my friends from that group, I just saw as like a Fuji ambassador. He just became one the other day. And, um, you know, another a friend of mine, I just saw you speaking at a workshop in two weeks. And um, yeah. so it's cool that like I was I got to be part of a group that like all kind of um, I don't know if you guys like watch baseball or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But there's a big thing about um, people in the minor leagues. They You want to keep kind of a, a core player, a core of players mm-hmm. together and you want them to rise through the minor leagues together. Mm-hmm. And then yes. once they're at the majors, they are already kind of like a unit mm-hmm. and they can play better together and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like that was a lot of kind of how my journey was with a lot of those other people, you know, I would make a blog post and I would send it to a friend of mine and be like, Hey, can you look at this? He's like, yeah, cool. Look at mine. And we would like, yeah, you know, throw things, throw ideas off each other. And someone would be having some issue with something. And then, you know, someone else would have an answer for that. And so, um, now it's for mostly for me, it's like Facebook groups and stuff like that too. But, um, yeah, the amount of like shared learning and stuff like that in the community was huge and i remember there was a year early on too where it was like may and for for, like for a wedding photographer you usually have to shoot like i don't know anywhere from like 20 at the low end to like 50 weddings at the high end if you want to like make things work Mm -hmm. and i remember there's a year really early on where i think i had like 11 weddings booked going into may Hmm. um and so that's like half or if not less of like what i needed to make for the year and i was like almost halfway through the year and usually you don't book anything after may right and I remember just like posting to that group, like one of the groups and just being like, hey, just a heads up, like this is 
embarrassing for me, but I only have 11 weddings booked. And so if you guys have any, you know, weddings that you want to throw my way, that would be great. And I ended up, I think I ended up shooting 27 weddings that year. Nice. Wow. And it was all because people that I had been like investing in and they've been investing in me back and forth saw that, you know, Hey, like, well, let's just help this guy out, you know? And so community, um, community yeah. man, huge, especially, um, as creative things, there's mm-hmm. obviously people are going to be great at business and not great at business and great at off camera flash and not and film. And there's just a ton of like kind of collective learning that you can do. That's super helpful and beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of business, I think that's one of your strengths. Um, I don't know if I'd say that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but well, uh, yeah, I think like, I, I think he's I, meaning establishing, establishing well, just like, business. I think you're doing, yeah, you establish a business, you know, like, you know, and you're, you obviously are yeah. a really talented photographer, you know, and you have, you have your wedding portfolio, but in addition to that, you know, you're also doing YouTube now. And I also, I spent a lot of time looking at your website this last week and, and there's a lot on there. I was like, <laughs> there is a lot. Wow. I haven't updated it in like a year and a half. So no one go look at it. Sorry. <laughs> Everyone go look at it. Go look Sorry. at it right now. Don't we'll link it. it in the show notes below. Yikes. <laughs> but um, you just have so much stuff on there. You have resources for other photographers. You offer mentorship and, um, you know, you're obviously doing workshops and stuff like that. So uh, it, it's resource, not just like, hey, this is not a sp- place where you can just go and see Benj's work, but this is also a place where you can go for resources and, and uh, help or encouragement and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I thought it was pretty impressive. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Tyler was mentioning some of that stuff to me, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And I've looked at your website quite a bit. (laughs) Um, I think one question for me and Tyler that is really relevant, because we're primarily film photographers, film shooters, is do you find... It's a two-part question. Do you think that that brings out your more creative side? And if so because there are a lot of people doing this, would you ever switch to all film for weddings? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, I mean, I love shooting film. Every day I carry around a film camera, I don't carry around a digital camera. It's like my digital cameras are my work cameras, and then my film cameras are my personal cameras for the most part. Um, and most weddings, I still bring a film camera along just for whatever reason, you know, like I have... a these cabinets are full of them. Um, and I, I, yeah, really love doing it. I have shot weddings on all film before. Um, but unfortunately the amount of photos you have to take on a wedding day is in the like multiple hundreds, if not thousands. Yeah. And the cost (laughs) to be as profitable as I am on digital, I would have to up my rates significantly to shoot everything on film. Uh, which would be great. I mean, I've, I've done it before and it's super fun. Uh, but to do that every single week, I would have to essentially change my, I would have to move into a different market basically for people, um, to, yeah, only hire me to shoot film. You'd probably have to have a really big fridge too. Yeah. I mean, we can, after this, you can look at my film fridge. It's pretty fun, (laughs) but don't mind if I do. (laughs) Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Cause my my girlfriend she's a mm-hmm. wedding photographer she's on her uh, third year so nice. we talk about this often but totally. there are quite a few photographers in portland who do entirely film and mostly fuji film you know that kind of sure, airy yeah. light For, look very popular overexposed right 400h light and airy yes exactly it's good though <laughs> you know you know um and i've like when she told me 
showed me this photographer who, you know, only shoots film. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, you know, I can understand it as someone who shoots film a lot. I, I get it. Yeah. But like, how do you convince someone, Hey, I want to shoot your entire wedding on something that may or may not turn out, but it probably will. <laughs> no, I, I mean, so, I mean, I don't do this, but if, if I did, um, it would be way less about selling it as I'm shooting film, but like I would just hope that me putting together an entire film portfolio and someone seeing that and being like, that's what I want. And then someone's just going to go like, Oh, oh yeah. the medium you use is film. So it's more about a feeling and more about what your work conveys and less mm. about the medium itself. I mean, some people try to market it as, you know, I'm a film photographer and there's more like an artisan craft to it and yeah. all this stuff. Um, but I think with anybody and anybody's work, the more that um, you can just look at someone's work and go like, I want that. I don't really care what the process is to get there. Like, that's what I want. Um, so for me, it's less about, um, yeah, being like, oh my gosh, I'm a film photographer and more about like, I'm just creating the work I want to create. And if someone looks at a bunch of that stuff and realizes that it's all in film, then they can pay me more money and I'll shoot things on film instead. Yeah. Is that an option on your website? It, it is. Ah. It's buried in my pricing for sure. <laughs> um, but, but another reason too is like if I was, I travel for at least probably half of my weddings. And if I was going to shoot everything on film, I would have to bring an assistant to, you know, load all my film backs and I would be passing oh, stuff off to somebody else. And so uh, it's just another logistical thing. So not only would someone have to pay the additional rate for me to shoot film, but then they would have to pay for another plane ticket and another hotel room and, all that other kind of stuff. Um, hours for the other. Yeah, which would be great. I mean, it'd be super fun. But the co- it's like just one of those cost yeah. prohibitive things. Um, and the way that I kind of shoot most of the time, 80, 90% of the weddings that I do, I am like way over the couple's budget. <laughs> um, and so they're usually making sacrifices to have me there. Okay. Um, and so it would be, I would have to literally move into a different kind of like market of client. Mm-hmm. To, yeah afford to do that unfortunately right right makes sense do you feel that being able to like shoot film in your own personal life a little bit in in your weddings like you were saying but mm-hmm. mostly in personal life and then separate the digital into your work has made it easier to separate business from like what you actually enjoy yeah yeah, yeah for sure i think um that's one of the reasons. I mean, I love film. Um, I remember a few years ago when someone was just talking about film, like, you know, the whole film is not dead thing came up. And I remember thinking, well, I, I love the look of film. And if I'm not shooting it, like I'm only making this thing that I really appreciate and stuff like that die off as well. So I need to be someone that is going out and shooting it on purpose so that I can make sure that it stays alive. Um, and as I sort of did that, I would, it was just such a different workflow and process of me, you know, taking these things, not being able to see the back of the camera and not being on a vacation and editing those photos at the end of the day and having to mail them out instead of sticking an SD card in my, you know, computer. And it just, everything about it is the exact opposite Mm -hmm. and different process and workflow. And so, um, and I'm also not when I'm doing it for personal stuff, not looking for perfection. I'm just like, cool, if I got it, I got it. If not, like, whatever. Mm. There's way less pressure, uh, different cameras, all that kind of stuff. And so, for me, it, 
uh, this is going to sound cheesy, but there's a lot more joy when I'm shooting a film camera, especially for a personal thing, because I'm not nearly as worried about like the outcome and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I, I was kind of in a similar boat when you were talking about how a little bit of the repetitiveness of using the digital camera when mm-hmm. shooting your weddings. I was doing a lot of shoots um, in 2019. Oh, we're in 2020 now. Yeah. 2018, I was doing a <laughs> lot of shoots at a 6D, and I wasn't even trying to make a business out of it. I just enjoyed shooting. Yeah. I was just trying to have more content to put out, and that was sort of my focus on it. And uh was just doing all these shoots that really, like, in my eyes weren't that great. And I realize that now, and I, I felt like I had sacrificed a lot of the skill that maybe I had early on for just quickness and being sure. able to do these shoots. And that was one of the reasons that I switched to film was mm. just like selling my all my digital stuff and just have this thing that I am so unfamiliar with, <laughs> completely unfamiliar yeah. with. I, I don't have some backstory of like, oh, my grandpa gave me this camera and I used <laughs> yeah. it and it was amazing. I don't have that. I just decided to do film one day. Sure. Um, and just the like excitement behind that. Has there been anything in recent that has really got you maybe reinvigorated or like re-excited about photography or, or something new that you've discovered recently? Um. I don't know if I've discovered it, but just the, I, I mentioned it earlier, but just bringing a point and shoot camera almost everywhere I go is yeah. just one of those things that like, and because of that, I've bought a bunch more <laughs> um, because it's just one of those things that like, um, and you know, like we're, when we're recording this is like a couple days after the, you know, Kobe Bryant died and everything yeah. like that. Um, and one of the things that struck me the most out of all those posts on Twitter and everything like that were the amount I probably saw 12 or 15 different photos of him and his daughter together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were always like, there was a different one every time and every new post, there was a different photo of him and his daughter together. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, that like hit me like a ton of bricks of just being like, wow, those photos now are so much more important. Yeah. And there's a huge variety of them. There's mm-hmm. like a ton of these photos of them having really genuine interactions with each other. Um, and of course, like he's a, was a famous celebrity and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So he's yeah. going to have like nice professional photos. Sure. But um, as I was thinking about it in my own life, a lot of photographers, we like to kind of hide behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And most of the time we aren't always the person that's actually in the photo. We like to be the one that takes the photo, but we're often not in it. And so one of the things that yeah. I did was I bought um, a point and shoot with a 28 millimeter lens <laughs> and it has a, a like a date stamp on it. And I probably mm. it, try to take at least one photo a week. That's just like a janky selfie of like me and my three-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, so he's going to have hundreds of photos of me and him and uh, mm, the three of cool. us together yeah. with my wife. And even if they're not like, you know, really great photos technically, mm-hmm. um, I know obviously they're not. But um, for me, that's just something that's, you know, I've I've been trying to disconnect what is impressive and perfect and all that stuff from photography to kind of boil down to like what's meaningful and what Mm -hmm. is uh, impactful and what's going to sort of stand the test of time because we could go out and, you know, walk around the neighborhood and take some really cool photos and there's like a crescent moon out here and everything like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, And I love doing that because it like sparks my creativity. Um, But in 20, 30 years, you know, the photo that I took of my son and I together. Yeah. He's three, right? Like in 20, 30 years, he's going to be 33. 
And that photo, even this janky little one on my iPhone of me reading him a Star Wars book tonight is going to be way cooler, even if I took the coolest photo yeah. I've ever taken in terms of like actual, you know, impressive photography stuff. Um, and so, yeah, oddly enough, like the just idea of me shooting these like really janky point and shoot cameras um, has been, yeah, inspiring and um, I hope really beneficial and meaningful to me in the future, right? Yeah. yeah. I think it ties into, I, don't, I think it's probably Matt Day that started the document your life. Yeah. Um, I think it's great because it's so true it, uh, that we, it's important. Like yeah. the, the, the intention and meaning of those photos and the pictures is not to, um, you know, have a high quality, like, oh, really yeah. great image is to imprint a memory mm-hmm. and to, to recall and remind you of, of this moment in time. Totally. You know? Yeah. And like, I think that obviously us as photographers, we have the ability because we have a better eye for that kind of thing. And we can make those images more impactful than if we weren't there because we have the acumen and everything like that to do it. Um, but ultimately I think the thing that's been really pressed on me lately is just when within the past week is the amount of, I posted something about the thing with Kobe Bryant and I had, I've had hundreds of messages of people just being like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for posting that. I don't have very many photos with me and my kids and it's, it's always photographers who they are the ones that are taking the photos for other people Mm -hmm. and they never actually take photos of themselves because, you know, it's hard to either set up a self timer or whatever. Um, and there's just a lot of times where like I take thousands of photos of my wife and kid every year and there's probably like 15 of me, you know? And so I've just kind of decided like, I'm going to, even if it's uncomfortable or awkward or whatever, I want to be in more photos and like be more of a part of my kind of visual history moving forward, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can speak to that too. I have a seven year old and like my favorite photo that I've ever taken is a stupid selfie of us at Cannon Beach Totally. And it's like framed in my mom's house. And mm-hmm. at first I was like, mom, don't put that up on the wall. But <laughs> she put it there. And now every time I walk by it, I kind of like, it's, it's, it's sad in a sense. Like it makes me like wish I was back there at that moment, totally. you know, yeah. but I can just like really enjoy the photo. And, um, I mean, you were speaking about Kobe Bryant. It, it actually did, uh, hit me really hard on Sunday because I was like, Oh, he, you know, he died with his kid and yeah. that made me think about me and my kid. Like it's really, it really hits home and it draws a lot of emotions. Um, and a lot of people were saying like, you know, life's too short. You never know when it ends and things like that. Make mm-hmm. the most of it. And so I've actually been really thinking about that the past two days. Like yeah, life is too short. You never, you never know. Like I commute multiple hours every day like my risk of (laughs) getting in a car accident is very high statistically speaking right so what am i doing to make the most of every day every interaction like am i telling my kid you know i love her every single day i hope so i I don't want to ever forget that you know i try not to um am i giving her a hug and a kiss before i leave every single day like just making the most of that and, and and how does that impact me as a person me creatively thinking. Um, I think it really does for personally speaking, like if a happier life, then creative creativity just flows out naturally, I think. So kind of circles back a little bit for me. Yeah. I was also reminded, I just pulled it up. I, I, I thought I had it memorized, but this, <laughs> there's this quote on Binge's website. 
And it kind of ties in with this. I love it. It says, the most meaningful photos aren't always impressive. The most impressive photos aren't always meaningful. Yeah. It's so good. Totally. That's like my sort of like one of my mantras, basically, that I like kind of try to tell myself all the time, because especially as a photographer um, who is documenting people's lives in this way, right? Like um, I just get the honor of doing that as a, as a wedding photographer or whatever. But oftentimes I can get caught up in being like, no, I want to make this like really impressive shot. I want to make this like really like a banger on Instagram or whatever, right? <laughs> like I want to get a bunch of likes or I want to impress. I feel like a lot of photographers when they're shooting, they're not even... I mean, it's nice to like push yourself and, and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes I feel like we as photographers will just make work for other photographers because you're like hoping that like somebody you respect or whatever will comment on your thing and whatever that yeah. will make your day. Um, but when it comes down to it, like we were just saying, like, I don't know what you shot that photo of you and your daughter on, but it was probably like it's an iPhone. Yeah. IPhone Some of my favorite six. photos in ever were just shot on like the front camera on a, yeah. a, an iPhone. Right. Because that's what was available, and it was the moment over what that actual, you know, piece of gear or whatever. And it's it's always one of those things where I find that like those connections and those moments and stuff like that are the things that are going to just like continue to gain value over time. Mm-hmm. Um, f- wedding photographers use like the word investment for pricing all the time. Yeah, but honestly, like if you invest you know, just your time or your energy or whatever into just making sure you, again, Matt Day, document your life and stuff like that. Like your future family members, yourself, all that stuff will like reap the rewards of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just learned that like photos that are really impressive have like a really short shelf life mm-hmm. because, because like you'll post them on Instagram or whatever you get, even if I got the most likes I've ever gotten or whatever, in two, three days, like no one's going to comment on that photo anymore. It's going to be gone. Like yeah. it's just going to just disappear but like the photo of like my son and my grandma, who is his great grandmother, reading a book the other night, is going to be so incredibly impactful yeah. in twenty years. Yeah. Way more than whatever the coolest photo or whatever. If I won some award or anything like that, like that janky photo in bad light on my iPhone is going to be a better, yep. more meaningful photo in twenty years than whatever the coolest thing I do this year will be, as long as it you know doesn't have any meaning to somebody, right? So. Um, I was really encouraged too. You made a post uh, along these lines and, and Matt Day too, right before the holidays of just, you know, having a camera, documenting your life. Yeah. And I was um, really like, I was shy. I was timid. I was, I was like, oh man, should I bring my camera to, uh, I was going over to my wife's family's for Christmas. And I was like, man, should I bring my camera? Like, I don't want to be that guy with the camera. Yeah. But <laughs> I was like, no, I'm like, they, they said you need to do it. So I did it. I, I brought it and I took a bunch of photos and I was just like, uh, I was just kind of in the background. It was, it was great. You know, it wasn't distracting people or anything like that. Took a bunch of photos and got done. And I, and I sent the family those photos and everybody was just like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for taking these. And, and my wife's grandparents, grandparents are 96 and 93. Yeah. And every year, you know, it's always, this could be the last Christmas, you know, you never know. But, um, we're just, everybody was so thankful that those, we had those photos and, um, so it was encouraging, encouraging. Totally. And like, you don't have to like, I don't know, even if you're like a photographer that doesn't take a lot of portraits or doesn't do a lot of kind of thing, like just being willing and available to be the one to like take some of that stuff, you know, is like super, I don't know, like important. And for me, like you were kind of saying, like, I always bring my cameras and stuff like that to Christmas and family events and friends' birthday parties for three-year-olds and stuff like that. And like, I don't know, I feel like kind of cheesy and whatever doing it, but like... Yeah, that stuff 
whether people like kind of laugh about it, like, oh, Ben just bringing his cameras again. Yeah. Again, like 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever years, like people are going to be super thankful that I did mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All great points. All fantastic. <laughs> this has been a really yeah. uh, great discussion, honestly. We've talked for almost an hour. I'm I'm impressed. Ooh. This is our longest yeah. podcast. Oh, I, th- I feel like we could. No, it's great. I feel like we can talk talk more. It's true. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, um, I thought we could end. Um, I hope that everybody listening found this encouraging. Um, uh, that was one hope I got were that I wanted out of this podcast with Benj. But also, um, just obviously, you have your established wedding business, right? Um, you have a you know you're doing a lot more with YouTube, mm-hmm. and uh, I've seen you doing a lot more speaking engagements, stuff like that what what looking forward 2020 what what's what's on the dock i mean are you are you gonna do more weddings are you gonna yeah are you gonna (laughs) um you know are you gonna kind of do less weddings and do more teaching mentoring and speaking stuff and and like that or what are you thinking yeah i mean so i one of my personal like sort of pet peeve things is um especially people in the wedding industry who um kind of stop doing weddings and but then they go and like teach a bunch of wedding photographers how to do stuff that they're not actually doing anymore so um if i'm going to be speaking at wedding photography things i still want to be the bulk of my income being from wedding photography right so um i definitely still am have a ton of weddings i'm shooting like i still have some availability like i'm definitely trying to book weddings and do that kind of thing that's still the bulk of what i do and who i am and what i'm about um but yeah, I, I definitely love teaching and speaking and uh, it's a huge honor for me to be able to do that and share with other photographers. And so a lot of it is me just trying to find the best avenues and ways to do that. So um, I was telling you guys earlier, like I have, and I've said this on like five other podcasts now, but like I have a podcast that I want to do too. I just, it's all about finding the time to actually do it. Um, so I have that. I have a YouTube channel. I have like, I think six videos recorded now that I don't have actually up yet. So, um, yeah, I basically, I try to just recontribute back into the world, the things that, um, are really beneficial and helpful to me. So I work in my backyard, 35 feet from my house. Um, and so I'm often either listening to podcasts or watching YouTube videos and stuff like that as I'm working. Um, and so, yeah, I try to kind of like reinvest that back into the world. So right now I'm doing a bunch of YouTube videos as trying to be helpful, especially to film photographers and stuff like that. And then, yeah, hopefully maybe I'll get to do a podcast if I can get on it someday. (laughs) I really want to, but, uh, yeah, gotta get it, gotta get it going. You should call it the heist, (laughs) like a heist. (laughs) (laughs) I, I do appreciate that you guys said my name right. It's because I actually know you, but... I was going to say, yeah. we have a lot of mutual friends. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, with all that said, Benj, thank you uh, again for joining us, having a conversation. It's natural for creatives, especially creatives of the same type of thing, to just be able to talk about stuff. So we uh, really appreciate that. And uh, to everyone else out there, go check out Benj. Benj's work. Uh, We'll link everything in the description of the podcast episode. And um, yeah, with that said, I'm Colby. And I'm Tyler. Oh, and I'm Benj. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this has been Take My Portra.